Welcome to Offscript. This is a podcast by Christ Fellowship Northwest with our pastors, Daniel and Robert. It is our hope that this can provide you with an educational and edifying listening experience during your week. Thanks for listening and be on the lookout for upcoming episodes. Hey everyone, welcome to Offscript, a podcast by Christ Fellowship Northwest. My name is Robert. And I am joined today by my friend and colleague, Daniel Barda. Daniel, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing very well. I am infinitely more excited today than I was last time. Enthusiastic. Why are you more excited today than you were last time? Because the advice from the first show was to be more enthusiastic. That's so right. So I'm listening to advice. That's and right. I'm getting better in episode two. Well, you seem a little more uh, lively, chipper even today. Yes. I'm not yeah. perfect, but I am progressing. <laughs> Indeed, indeed. Well, but you just told me that you were tired. Yes. Because so, I work hard. Are you trying to imply that I don't? No. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. No implications. Okay. Don't read too all much right. into it. Okay, all right, all right. People well, who work hard are tired. So interestingly enough, Daniel's tired, and I want to talk about work today. Uh, we're, uh, we're right in the middle of a sermon series at our church, Christ Fellowship Northwest, through the book of Ecclesiastes, where we're, we're taking a look at what Solomon says about the futility of uh, life in a fallen and broken world, and how um, ultimately uh, satisfaction and hope can, can only be found in God. And so it's uh, best. Solomon even says it, that it's, uh, there's nothing better for man under the sun than uh, to eat and drink and to enjoy the uh, the toil of of his labor, we we kind of put a little tagline on that: the uh, enjoying the the simple pleasures of of life. And so today, I want to I want to talk a little bit about work. Uh, work is something that we all do, unless of course uh, I don't know anybody like this, but I'm sure maybe some of our listeners do, who are kind of financially independent, don't have to uh, to work a, a nine to five. That's something that that most of us have to do. Daniel, what's the What's the best job that you've ever had? You have to say pastoring at Christ Fellowship Northwest. Of course. Um, and then what's the worst job that you've ever had? Best and worst jobs, Daniel. Uh, best job outside of pastoring. So okay. what is put pastoring up there is the best job that I've had. I think I have to say that, right? Uh, you do have to say that. Yes. Uh, but uh, outside of that, uh, I really enjoyed uh, putting together parties at the Cliffs. So like one of my roles at the close before I left a was a party planner. Yes, yes. I wasn't responsible for like actually bringing energy to the party. I was more <laughs> behind the scenes, figuring out where the tables go. That was how probably the a wise folded, HR move, right? Uh, but I got to be behind the scenes, make sure all the guests were served well. I enjoyed doing that. It brought in good. It brought like the bonus of like getting a good tip, you know, at the end of it. Um, so yeah, I I enjoyed. I would say that's the most fun job I've had. Because that's your best job. What's yes. your What's the worst job you've ever had? I did for a summer after my freshman year of college. I went home and for three months, I did landscaping, and it was horrible. Really? I, yes, it was. What was horrible? It was a about nightmare. It? Of a Besides job. the sweat. Well, you went to work at like seven in the morning, sunrise, six thirty in the morning during this the summer. This from the guy who gets up at like three thirty yes. in the morning. I didn't at that time, and you worked until like the sun started to go down. And you were out in the sun all day. You ate like a packed lunch that was nasty by the <laughs> time that you ate it in the afternoon. Um, it was just horrible. I, I worked with some Polish guys. Like it was a Polish a group of Polish guys that all shared a house and they ran the company. And I learned a lot about 
being Polish. They wear their wedding ring on the opposite hand. Uh, just maybe not all, all Polish people, but those guys. Just to be different. Those guys did. Was there no, that was just like the tradition. They put it on their right hand. I don't know. I don't know why. But um, it was, it was, it was just an unenjoyable job. It was hot. It was sweaty. It was long hours, and it it was just boring. It was just boring. Interesting. So best job I've ever had pastoring at Christ Fellowship Northwest, obviously. Uh, worst job that I've ever had. I was a car prep at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Do you know what a car prep is? Somebody who preps the cars. You're so smart. Now. Outstanding. You're so smart. Yeah. So uh, I I prepped the cars. I had to wash them. But in washing the outside of the car is not that big of a deal. I mean, it, it was kind of it was kind of not fun when it was cold outside, right? Because we, I mean, you know, uh, snow, ice, it didn't matter. We had to like the the enterprise I worked at, like we were renting cars every day. It was the inside of the cars. I kid you not. We had this one cat. He would rent this same car every single time. He would keep it for two weeks, and he would return it with uh, the cup holders would be full of some type of soda and there would be bits and pieces of cheeseburger floating in it. Mm. It'd be French fries strewn all over the place. Mamas were the worst. Soccer moms were the worst. They would bring back minivans and it looked like somebody had committed goldfish genocide in the back. It was just crumpled into the carpet. It was probably the worst. It was definitely the worst job that I ever had. So what what would you say, Daniel, made those, um, outside of just like the, uh, just the, f- the difficulty of the work, like what, what made your job so frustrating, so annoying? I like progress. Okay. So like, I like to know like we're making incremental progress. Yeah. You're landscaping that's not, the kind of landscaping we were doing, we were doing not like, hey, we're, we're fixing up this yard really nice. It was more like we're doing the mundane routine things like, yeah. Uh, trimming the trimming the yard, mowing the grass, and so you did it. You left. You came back next week, and it was all there again. Yeah. You had to do it again. There was no no progress was being made. It was just over and over and over. Yeah, I wasting would say days away. Same thing about mine. Like you wash a car, you send it out. A few days later, it comes back, and, and it's just an endless cycle over and over again. Well, so the reason the reason I bring it up is because I was asked a question a couple weeks ago uh, by a church member. Uh, as we were we were kind of kicking off Ecclesiastes and talking about this idea of uh, futility and vanity, and uh, the question uh, that, that was asked me was this, was like, you know, I've always heard, he, he, I think he even said, like, I've heard from you guys, like, work is good. Work is something to be uh, appreciated and enjoyed. It's a good gift from a good God, but but we see, and what we've seen in Ecclesiastes, this idea that, that work is also toil. That is something that is is frustrating and is uh, is difficult. And so I thought it might be good to kind of explore that a little bit. We're not going to have a ton of time to talk about that on Sunday mornings in in a lot of detail. And I thought kind of the 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 place to start when we're talking about really talking about any any type of uh, of biblical concept is with this idea of a of a gospel or a biblical worldview. So how do we see work? through a biblical or uh, gospel worldview. So we, we need to kind of take a moment and put on our gospel lenses and see work. So, uh, And I thought we'd talk about this in three categories. So creation, well actually four, creation, fall, redemption, and, and new creation. So, so Daniel, talk to us a little bit about like creation and, and work, because I think there's, some, some really, there's a really important point that I think we need to get um, 
about work if we're going to understand how we're to rightly view it in light of uh, the futility and fallenness of the world. So um, did creation, did, did work exist before creation? What's the Bible Absolutely, say about this? yeah. Part of the mandates for men and women was to, to work. I think one of the takeaways from the creation story is that our, our work is much different than God's work. So God creates. His work is out of nothing, right? Um, he wasn't given anything to cultivate. Uh, he brought creation into existence from, from nothing. Uh, man's work is different than that. We take the creation that God has, has, has made and brought into existence, and he tasks us with cultivating it. Yeah. He, he gives you a garden. He doesn't give you a city. He gives you a garden, and that garden is meant to be cultivated. It's meant to be uh, uh, gathered and multiplied. It's meant to be worked on and in. Yeah, Adam and Eve, they were, they were stewards, right? They were to care for the garden in Genesis 1 and 2. Think of Adam even naming the, the animals, right? That was a, uh, a task, a job given to him. But then the fall changed all of that, right? The fall... Um, kind of fundamentally, not kind of, it fundamentally changed the way human beings relate uh, to, uh, to work. And I've been thinking a lot about this, and we're, gonna, we're actually going to put it in the show notes this week. I've uh, been reading a book uh, by Timothy Keller uh, called Every Good Endeavor, Connecting Your Work to, to God's Work. And I would recommend it to, to anybody that wants to kind of take a deep dive into this idea of understanding our work through a, a Christian worldview, a gospel worldview, however you want to talk about it. But one of the things that, that he kind of uh, pointed out in this book that I think is fundamental to what has changed with work at the fall is that pre-fall, um, work was, uh, was solely for the purpose of, of glorifying God and benefiting, now at this point in the, in the creation narrative, there's only, there's only two humans, right? But benefiting others. It was for the betterment of, of Eve, the betterment of Adam, and ultimately for the glory of God. But, but something changed at the fall that work all of a sudden becomes about ourselves. Uh, we work for fame. We work for uh, financial improvement, right? Riches, wealth. We work for uh, position. And so because of this, because we have turned inward, right? We've, we've turned this thing that God gave to us as a means of glorifying Him and benefiting our neighbor, we've, because we've turned this endeavor inward, um, it has been, it, it's become futile. It's become this kind of meaninglessness, vanity, a chasing after the wind, as, as Solomon would say. And so one of the, one of the things that, that Keller talks about in his book, he quotes this guy named Robert Bella, and I, I'm going to read the quote because I thought it was really good. Um, he, he's talking about um, unraveling this, uh, this brokenness of work, and this is what Robert Bella says. He says, to make a real difference... There would have to be a reappropriation of the idea of vocation or calling, a return in a new way to the idea of work as a contribution to the good of all and not merely as a means to one's own advancement. So I think as we're, as we're thinking about work in our fallen world and the futility of it, right, as, as we're working through this kind of uh, gospel worldview, right, uh, work was good, uh, it was created by God for His people. The fall has broken work. But then in Christ, right, we see this reappropriation of work to what it was originally intended to be for, which was ultimately the glory of God and um, the, uh, the betterment, the, the loving of, of our neighbors. So because of Christ, because of what Christ has done on the cross, 
right? God is, he's breaking our obsession with ourselves, right? So my job, no matter what it is, no matter whether I'm sweeping uh, or I'm sweeping hallways at a local elementary school or I'm a CEO in a Fortune 500 company, right? Because of Christ, God is breaking my obsession with, my, with, with myself so that I can do whatever my work is uh, for those two ends, right? For the glory of God and the benefit of, of my neighbor. We're, we're free in Christ, I think, I think we would say, to work from this place of satisfaction and fulfillment, to work uh, for the sake of others and uh, for the glory of God. But, but even then, if we're, if we're putting on these gospel lenses, um, the way that changes our work doesn't end there just with redemption because uh, the cross, the resurrection, that's not the end of the story, right? We have this kind of fourth part of the gospel narrative, which is this idea of new creation or, or redemption. Um, I think it's no mistake, and maybe you want to chime in on this, Daniel. I think it's no mistake that, uh, that creation begins in a garden and ultimately um, ends, Revelation 21, in a, in a city. What? Our work is going somewhere. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. Um, I think Keller really challenged me to uh, to, to think about that. That um, that the work that I'm doing today, if I'm doing it um, in the in in the vein of for the glory of God, for the benefit of my neighbor, that it, it's not it's not completely subjected to the same futility that we've been talking about in Ecclesiastes. In terms of that, it will one day cease to exist. It will end, but ultimately, it will carry over into the new creations, into the he- into the new heavens and the new earth. I will see the fruit of of my work one day. We, we can talk a little bit more about that in, in in the beginning. So, our work, while marred by the fall, futility, is not completely pointless. I think that's um, if I if I had to go back over and, and answer my friend who asked me that question, like, okay, Robert, what's you said works good, but it's been subjected to the to the fall. I think that's what I would tell him. I would invite him to put on those kind of gospel lenses and 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 see work through uh, through this narrative of creation, fall, redemption, and and new creation. So in that sense, though, anything that we do, all the work that we do, uh, can be should be for the glory of God and the benefit of our neighbor. But that doesn't always work out that way. We don't always see our work in those veins. We have this sacred, secular divide. Have you experienced that? Like, have you experienced that in pastoral ministry? Kind of this, uh, we, we view certain types of work differently than we view others? Uh, when I was wrestling with the call to ministry, I think I felt okay. that. It was almost like I, had, I needed to consider if God called me to work for Him, and if He didn't, then shoo, I missed the draft right into the Lord's army. Yeah, that's right. And I can go do what I want now with my life. So it was like full time ministry, or hey, go do whatever you want, whatever you feel like doing. Yeah. It was those two were those were the two options, versus uh, everything was under the domain and and call and prompting of God. And so I think I felt it there, at least in my experience. That's where I felt that like view of the secular work world and then Christian ministry. It's kind of like yeah. God calls you to A, do whatever you want over here in the secular world, or B, go into full-time ministry. And yeah. Does that get kind of at what you're... Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I, I've experienced this, like, I've definitely experienced this, like, just in past, pastoral ministry, right? Just kind of the the way that people uh, kind of approach pastors 
and people who work in the church. They're kind of seen, the work that they do is seen on a different level or in a different category as oftentimes as the the person who uh, you know sweeps the floor at the local elementary school or uh, the guy who drives the the garbage truck that comes through my neighborhood or the police officer there's this uh, there's this kind of divide that exists in the world between at least in our thinking between uh, secular work and 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 church work but I wanted to kind of talk about this a little bit I wanted to to point out a passage of scripture First uh, Corinthians seven, uh, verse seventeen. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually read the the passage there. First Corinthians seven, uh, verse seventeen. Paul writes there. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him, and to which God has called him. Now, what's interesting about that passage is that Paul is talking about calling the way that you and I might talk about calling to pastoral ministry. But in the context of 1 Corinthians 7, he's not talking about church work. He's talking about just everyday, uh, ordinary, and even the way I'm talking about it now, like I just called it ordinary, right? Everyday kind of work. And Paul says that God's called people to that, that it's a calling. And I would even take that passage a step farther he even uses it in the realm not just of like employment, but in okay. the employment of being single, right? We think of work as like what I get a paycheck for, but that passage is even broader than that. Like if you are single, there's no rush to get married, right? If God, there's almost a callingness applied to being single or to being a wife or to being a husband or, or so forth. So um, it's even broader than just what I do for my paycheck. So what do you think makes uh, a person's calling to something that we would say, again, not to perpetuate this this sacred secular divide, but what do you think makes a person's calling, makes a person's vocation a calling when it's not in the church? What What do you think about that? I think it speaks to... Um, like For instance, what you said about how creation starts at a garden and it gets to city, so you see progress. And I think we're reminded that that progress is God's work. Yep. So he's doing this thing, and while the preacher is saying all throughout this book of Ecclesiastes, everything seems vain from our perspective, this frustrating work and toil that we are in. Um, what we get to see by looking at the from a worldview, a gospel worldview, is that God's work and purpose are moving forward, even when ours seems like we're just mowing grass over and over again. Right. Um, And so what makes everybody's calling this thing that they're doing in their lives that God's called them to um, the same baseline? This is the same thing is that God has designed, equipped and placed you where you are at this time to to push forward his purpose and work. And that's the same for everybody. And so one is not more important than the other. Everybody has a role within this thing that God is doing. And uh in that sense, we're called and appointed uh, to fulfill it for His glory and for the progress of His. So whether you were work. The, whether you're a teacher, a police officer, garbage truck driver, Fortune 500 CEO, right? Like if we're doing work in such a way that glorifies God and a that, mother. That's right, a mother, stay-at-home yes. mom that glorifies God and loves our neighbor. Right? We're doing godly. We're, we're actually doing God's work. And interestingly enough, and I didn't, I didn't know this, um, I didn't know that Lutheran theology had such a robust 
uh, theology of work. I learned that over the past couple of weeks, and it comes from, believe it or not, Martin Luther, um, who's, who's written extensively on this. Uh, but, but one of the things that, uh, that Lutherans will often talk about in regards to work is that we as God's people are the fingers of God, that we are kind of the, uh, the extensions of, of His hands, and that through human work, God actually blesses the world. So uh, the, the way that I, I, I think about this is uh, in terms of the, the Lord's Prayer, right? When Jesus teaches His disciples how to pray, one of the things that He teaches them to, to ask for is, um, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. When, I'm, when I pray for my daily bread, in a very real way, I'm actually praying for the farmer who's putting the seed in the ground, who's God, who God is using to, to feed me. I'm actually praying for the police officer who God is using to keep my streets safe and to make sure that someone doesn't like break into my home. Or, uh, and, and on and on it goes that God actually works through uh, His people, the people in His world, to accomplish these things, to, to, to bless them. So in a very real way, when we are working from this position of uh, glorifying God and loving our neighbor, we're actually participating in God's work. And then uh, to, kind of, to kind of show you this and kind of help our people think about it, uh, there's a lady, her name's Amy Sherman. We're going to put a link to the, uh, her page on the Gospel Coalition in the show notes. I'd love for you to take, take a look at it. But she, she gives us six categories of work to help us make this connection between the thing that we do and, and how, it connects, how it connects to God. So she says um, that there is redemptive work. So think of God's saving and reconciling action. So you might think of like what we do as pastors, evangelists, counselors, um, writers and artists produce, participate in this kind of thing, right? As, they're, um, as, as an artist paints a, a picture, right, and shows us the beauty of, of God's world. We, we have creative work. So maybe you work in a, in a job or a vocation where uh, you use creativity often, right? So think people in the arts. Um, and this can be a wide range of craftspeople. So uh, potters, weavers, seamstresses, interior designers, like... Um, all of these things, right, are ultimately find their origin in, in God, who is the source of all beauty and splendor. We have providential work. This is God's provision for and sustaining humans and, uh, and the creation, right? So we think of uh, lawyers, public policy makers, uh, the guys who keep your, the lights on, bankers, meteorologists, right, um, uh, civil servants, mechanics, the guy that keeps your car running, Right, he is actually if he is if he is working on cars in a way that glorifies God and loves his neighbor, he is participating in God's providential work. We have justice work, police officers, um, uh, lawyers, professors. We have compassionate work. This is God's involvement in comfort and healing. Doctors, nurses, psychologists, therapists, and then we have revelatory work. Right. These are preachers, scientists, educators, journalists, people that are, are showing and revealing truth. All of these different uh, areas of, of work and vocation actually have their origin in God. And when we, we do our jobs in a way that glorify God and love our neighbor, we're actually doing, doing His work. And it's just, this has been really encouraging uh, to me this week to, to think about these things. And I think most encouraging of all is just this thought— that when I'm working in this way, 
that my work is not vain and meaningless, that something of it will, uh, will last into the new heavens and the new earth. And whatever I'm working for, right, uh, whether uh, in, the, in the case of an artist who's trying to paint a beautiful picture, right, there will be something um, in the new heavens and the new earth that is a continuation of that work. That, that beautiful picture that the artist is trying to paint and imagine, he will one day see in a way that, uh, that he would never be able to see um, before Jesus returns and makes all things new. Work is good and holy, and when we do it in a way that glorifies God and loves our neighbor, we are doing God's work, and it matters. It matters. Any last thoughts before we, uh, before we wrap things up today? I, I was just thinking as you were walking through those six things, the, one of the things that I'm amazed or reminded of is like how big and diverse God himself is. And so it takes all of these people doing all of these things to begin to reflect the image of God. He's not just, he's not encapsulated and reflected in one person or one group of people or even 10 people. He is to reflect the triune God. It requires a city of people doing various things. And so, yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's truly, truly amazing stuff. So, so tomorrow morning, uh, when you get up at 5, 6 a.m., whenever it is, and you get that first cup of coffee and you just think about the drudgery of the day, um, I, hope, I hope you'll remember uh, just how important your work is and that if you do it in a way that honors God and loves your neighbor, that you're doing God's work and that it matters. Uh, hey, we love you guys. We hope this encourages and challenges you. And uh, we'll see you uh, again really soon on the next episode of the Offscript Podcast. See you soon.